Good evening and welcome to the programme. Wednesday it is, the 13th of September 2023. I'm Richie Allen, your host for the next couple of hours. Today I'll be taking your telephone calls, your Skype calls and your calls on WhatsApp. And we'll do that in around about 30 minutes or thereabouts after we have a quick look at what's making the news today. Welcome then. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, and please do, go to richieallen.co.uk. That's richieallen.co.uk. The latest post there contains all the details, the telephone number, the Skype, and the WhatsApp number. It's all there for you. Okay. Around about 5.30, 5.35, taking your telephone calls. If you were in touch with me on a recent phone-in, don't call me today. And if you've never done it, then you've got something to tell me. If you've got an opinion on something, maybe something you hear in the news rundown, do reach out and please get in touch with me. I'll be delighted to hear from you. Here are the contact details then. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, like I said, all of this information is on richieallen.co.uk. There is a WhatsApp number for the programme. Still haven't gotten around to making the jingle. It's not out of laziness, believe me. I will do it this week. Uh, the WhatsApp number then is 07565942270. Once again, 07565942270. Here's a thought. Why don't you leave me a text message on WhatsApp or Skype to let me know you'd like to come on, but please do include your first name and I'll get you on for a chat. We'll have a chinwag, a tete-a-tete. Is that how you say that? I can't remember. Anyway, I'm in good form. Lovely bright day today. I had some physiotherapy on my shoulder this morning, which went well. My right shoulder has been giving me grief for a long time. Bit of physio, bit of a massage from the lovely Natalie. Yes, brilliant. And um, feeling a bit looser around the shoulder area. It's been misering me. I've been having a bit of feeling, which has worked wonders too. Thank you, Peter. Now... I'm going to talk about a few things. You're going to listen. No, you're not. You can also, by the way, reach out to me, leave a message via the app, the Richie Allen Show app, or richieallen.co.uk if you're a bit too shy to talk to me. Although I can't for a moment imagine why you'd be too shy to talk with me, to me, at me, whatever you like. Um, Something serious. I mentioned this when I came back because I came back on... September 3rd and I mentioned this in fact I might have mentioned it on the music program because when I came back from holiday my first uh, show was the music show the melodies program and it's very serious and I thought I'd remind you of this because it got to mention today and that is the energy bill going through UK Parliament right now so let me read you a headline from the Telegraph newspaper September 1st I think the Telegraph but I I might be wrong I often am might be the only newspaper really kind of digging down into the energy bill the government's energy bill so here was the headline September 1st property owners who don't comply with new energy rules may face prison. 
You get that? Property owners who don't comply with new energy rules may face prison. That was the heading. The heading even, the subheading, ministers want to grant powers to create new criminal offences and increase penalties as part of efforts to hit net zero targets. Now, this was written by Nick Gutteridge in The Telegraph Friday, September 1st. Ministers want to grant themselves powers to create new criminal offences and increase civil penalties as part of efforts to hit net zero targets. Under the proposals, people who fall foul of regulations to reduce their energy consumption could face up to a year in prison and fines of up to £15,000. This is not a joke, right? He didn't write that. I'm saying it's not a joke. He continued in his article. Tory backbenchers are said to rebel against the plans which they fear would lead to the criminalisation of homeowners, landlords and businesses. The proposals are contained in the government's controversial energy bill. It provides for the creation of criminal offences, that's a quote by the way, in the bill, where where there is, quote, non-compliance with a requirement imposed by or under energy performance regulations, end quote. Gutteridge goes on to write, people could also be prosecuted for, quote, provision of false information, end quote, about energy efficiency, or, quote, obstruction of an enforcement authority, end quote. It's not North Korea, this is the United Kingdom. He didn't write that, that's my extraneous comment. And now he finishes with, or he, he writes, the bill will replace and strengthen the rules on energy performance certificates, EPCs, which were previously based on now repealed EU law. And we've gotten into, with Robert Hansen, the lawyer, Hong Kong, lovely chap, very learned. We've talked about EPCs and more with him. This is no joke. Speaking to GB News today, sadly, I've got to bring you the voices of politicians because nobody else is talking about it. Uh, Richard Tice and Arlene Foster. Tice is Reform Party, is he? Or Reclaim, I can't remember. Could be Reclaim. Arlene Foster is the former First Minister and she's a DUP politician. So they were speaking to GB News about this today. Uh, the first voice you hear will be Richard Tice. It's an absolute it's horror, horror show. It is. And for any MP, in my view, to have voted for it shows that um, either they don't understand it, they haven't read it, or they don't care. It is seriously dangerous stuff. The idea that uh, if you don't accept the latest mm. smart meter, someone can literally come into your house right. uh, and impose one on you yeah. and then reduce your electricity. And you could even possibly not sell your house. Uh, yeah, before, before we... About not being able to sell your house. Imposing smart meters on homeowners who do not want them. Yeah, that's mentioned in this bill, yeah. If you haven't installed sufficient levels but of insulation... Prison, and it's also going to criminalise people. Criminalise yeah. people with big fines, potentially prison. And they say, oh, no-one's intending that. That's not the point. It's in the, the bill. The ability is in the bill. It's a, it would then just require a simple the, statutory instrument. Are you lot going to kick, kick up in the law about it? Well, I think the... Uh, the Arlene Foster, DUP, is now in the House of Lords. The point is that when it came to um, people going into somebody's house, do you remember the gas yeah, uh, meters? And uh, they, they did try take those meters out and what have you. There was a whole uproar about that. And if they try to do this, regardless of whether they have the legislative authority to do it, people will not stand for that. People's homes are their castles. That's right. But and you they... cannot allow people to come in and forcibly put metres into your Yeah, and you have been listening to me for a long time. In fact, this coming Friday, 
two days away, the programme will be nine years old. So you know I'm not a telephone tough guy. You know I don't pretend to be tough. I'm not that tough. I'm not any more tough than anybody else. But anybody attempting to break into my property, I'm going to kill them. Anybody who attempts to come into my property and force upon me in the property, the land that I own, I'm not going to kill them. That's a bit traumatic. I'm going to do everything I can to stop them. And I would hope that most homeowners in this country, because this is coming down the line, it's not a joke. They are going to tell people, you must have these meters, which will ration your, um, your, your access to, to power, to heat and to electricity. And we've got to do that, people, because the planet, well, we're in climate breakdown. And whether we like it or not, we're going to have to impose this. What will happen when people like me, if I'm still in the UK at that point, I don't know. When I say, if you come into my, or attempt to enter my property, I'm going to do everything I can. And my German shepherd and my bulldog, my French bulldog of a missus. Um, we're going to do everything we can to prevent you. Everything reasonable. You know, Arlene Foster reckons it won't come to that. I think she's very... Naive, and I don't know an awful lot about Arlene Foster, to be honest. You might want to talk about this in the phone-in. You might not. Braverman, or Braverman, Suella Braverman. Yeah, I was joking about I'm going to kill you. I don't want to kill anybody. But you'll take all measures necessary, wouldn't you? I mean, if you got up in the middle of the night and some idiot was in your house trying to steal from you, you'd do everything you could to stop him, wouldn't you? You know, short of killing him, I suppose. Remember I covered a case, I'm not going to get into that. I can ramble sometimes. Anyway, Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, has been speaking quite a bit in the last few weeks about woke policing and her determination. She's determined to end woke policing and get police officers, God damn it, back to doing the fucking things they're supposed to do, which is catch crooks and arrest them and charge them and then leave it to the courts. But increasingly they don't do that. And you know I've got a dog in this fight. I was the victim of, not a vi- I hate to say victim, but I was, if you want to use the term, the victim of a very serious crime. Several months ago, the Greater Manchester Police couldn't give an arse. Couldn't give an arse, right? Right, too busy wondering about people being misgendered and too busy turning up to pride parades and painting their cars in rainbow colours and dancing around like fucking idiots instead of doing what they were paid to do, which is to watch the crowd in case anything goes down. So Suella Braverman says we're going to stop all this nonsense now. However, according to the GB News website today, a top police officer has defended woke policing and praised efforts to welcome further inclusion. Now Paul Fotheringham, who serves as president of the Police Superintendents Association, made the remarks during the group's annual conference in Stratford-upon-Avon. Detective Chief Suf- Detective Chief Superintendent Fotheringham was justifying current police measures after Home Secretary Suella Braverman claimed confidence in policing is being eroded by offers pandering towards what she said, quote, politically correct causes, end quote. Uh, The Kent Copper, says GB News, told delegates, here is a quote, she references dancing and fraternising with political demonstrators, which we assume relates to police attendance at Pride. She talks about the displaying of the progress flag and the wearing of badges. These are deeply personal and passionate matters for our staff and our community, says Fotheringham. Yes, yes, but when an Irish immigrant to the country gets knocked down by two fucking cars on the M60 and is left for fucking dead and he rings you up to say, listen, 
People have hit me, caused me a serious injury. I'm, I'm having problems to this day with my elbow and shoulder. They invited me to go and investigate it myself. Presumably because they were at a fucking Pride event or something like that. Dancing with Muppets or some other farce, right? Still pisses me off. These are deeply personal and passionate matters for our staff and our communities, said Paul Fotheringham. Yeah. What I have actually seen, he said, are plenty of examples of effective community engagement and a desire to promote and welcome inclusion in all of its forms. Listen, dickhead. Your job is to sit there and to go out there. To sit there and wait for members of the public to report crimes to you. Then you get up off your fat fucking arses, throw the donuts in the bin and go and investigate the crimes. While that's going on, you're supposed to have people out there on patrol. Okay? Officers on foot walking around housing estates and communities. Visible presence. Speaking to people. Gathering intelligence. That is fucking policing! What has inclusion got to do with it? This is mad shit, this. He went on to say, Trust and confidence starts with how we treat our people. If they cannot be their true selves at work, how can we expect them to police our communities in the best way possible? If they cannot... Be their true selves at work. You know what that means? So if a fucking gay cop wants to be fabulous, I want to be fabulous on duty. I want to be fabulous. I want to wear this and wear that. I want to dance around. I want to dance around neighbourhoods singing stupid fucking songs. That's how I want to police so I can be my true self. This is mad stuff. This is fucking maddening stuff. He said this and uh, a dancing copper went on LBC with Nick Jabba the Hutt Ferrari. To explain why it's okay to dance at Pride. Thank God for widescreen Nick Ferrari, right? Here's the dancing officer. I have been to carnival, had a dance. He's been to carnivals and had a dance when he was on duty. When he was there to watch the crowds. And you know the carnival this fucker went to? He went to Notting Hill. And here he is, he's going to, you're going to hear him boast about dancing at the Notting Hill Carnival. And that useless, gelatinous, greedy, gluttonous fucking Nick Ferrari didn't have the courage to say how many people were stabbed to fucking death this year at Notting Hill. How many people were stabbed at Notting Hill Carnival this year while you were dancing? Moron, listen to this crap. I have been to Carnival, had a dance. It kicked off near us. And I've gone in and arrested people. And the people that I was dancing with and joking with and laughing with were all there backing me, saying, Officer, you well done, good done, well done. If you laugh with somebody, it's not a big deal. If you have a bit of a, you know, they'll take the mickey out of you. We've had it. I've been to Carnival with, you know, white officers alongside me. We're having a little bit of a jig. And, you know, and someone's come along and go, eh, you can't, you've got no rhythm, right. yeah, to the, to the white officer. <laughs> but we still get the job done. The other thing is this. Okay, well you, I have been on- Ferrari is useless. Useless. Absolutely useless. Useless. Life not worthy of life, Nick Ferrari. A waste of fucking space. He's sitting there and this guy is saying we get the job done. He told him he went to Notting Hill Carnival. All Ferrari has to do is say, so you weren't in the... You weren't around any of these stabbings and assaults and sexual assaults that we heard about at Notting Hill, were you? And he doesn't say a word. The useless bastard says nothing. On patrol at Carnival with an officer who's, you know, really grumpy, standing there, face all screwed up and Mr. Angry. Mm. And I've had several members of the public, not even just, not just black people, but people attending Carnival saying, 
What's up with your mate? God, bloody, he's this Mr. Anger in here. Look at his face. Well, he's like, he doesn't want to be here. But What's wrong with your mate? He's looking a bit angry. Well, maybe that's the only police officer actually doing his job, maybe. And he's scanning the crowd. And maybe he looks a bit angry because uh, maybe some of the debauchery and, and, and shit that he's having to look at, maybe. Maybe that's why he looks angry. But at least he's watching the crowd, you know what I mean? And not dancing with people. That means everyone's got to dance then. So when the borough no, commander no, no. comes and come on, commander, we need a bit of a boogie from you. <laughs> that's a good point no. you made. In the end, even the special patrol group are going to have to come out and start. No, no, if it still no. exists, you know it probably what? doesn't I... exist anymore. Cracks himself up, Nick Ferrari. Dancing police officers going on national radio to justify dancing at Notting Hill Carnival. Uh, a carnival that this year saw, again, a number of people stabbed. I'm sure somebody was murdered. There were rapes. This guy says it's okay to dance. It got worse, though. Uh, Ferrari's moronic mate, James O'Brien, weighed in later on in the morning. Listen to this. If you um, are concerned about woke policing or police dancing at Pride, it simply means you are a homophobe or a racist. Here's a little thing that I, I, I worked out earlier. No one has got a problem with police officers dancing at the Notting Hill Carnival. I do. I, I know James O'Brien doesn't know who I am. He might do. Um, and, and we'll never listen to this programme. So, um, so he won't know that I do. But I do. And I've outlined why I've got a problem with people dancing at carnivals when they're supposed to be there to police the crowds. So I do. I, I for one, have a problem with it. Literally nobody has, well, got, I, I do. has got a problem with that. If, if people profess to have a problem with that... If I, what, what if they profess? If I invite you to ring in and tell me why you've got a problem with police officers dancing at the Notting Hill Carnival, what, what you're really objecting to is police officers being nice to black people. Uh, gaslighting. So you're racist, really. If you've got an issue with the police dancing around with people at Notting Hill Carnival, it's because you're a fucking racist, it's James O'Brien. No nuance, no context, not, none of that. Just gaslighting. Binary choice, you know, binary choice. There's two possibilities. You know, you smile at it because it's lovely and it's inclusive or you complain about it and you're a racist. James O'Brien. That's your actual problem, whether you realise it or not. That's what you're actually objecting to. Nobody's got a problem with police officers wearing pride badges. I do. Or, or wearing a one police officer on one day wearing a multicoloured helmet. Or have I do. I have a huge problem with that. They're there to do a job and to police whatever it is they're there to police, football or otherwise. Not there to make a politi political statement. Not there to do that at all. There to do their fucking job. It couldn't be any simpler. Having a bit of a boogie at a pride march. What you're really objecting to is police officers being nice to gay people. He's such a genius, isn't he, this guy? What an intellectual, heavyweight intellectual stuff this. It couldn't be anything else. It's got to be that you're a homophobe if you don't like the fact that cops are dancing around at Pride. Because uh. you're not really allowed to be publicly racist or publicly homophobic anymore. All right. This, does this make sense to you? Maybe I'm wrong. And, and so the ways in which you can be subtly racist or subtly homophobic involve attacking the police for being nice to the people that you hate. If this guy didn't exist, he'd have to be fucking invented, wouldn't he? Honestly, right? You can't be overtly racist anymore, so you've got to be subtle about it. So the way to be subtle about it is, is to say that you don't want the police um, buddying up to, dancing with, wearing pride badges or whatever. That's how you do that, to be subtly racist. Literally nobody's got a problem with dancing at carnival, a copper dancing at carnival. Literally nobody. How do you know? How does he know that literally nobody has? I've seen newspaper articles, I've read comments online, I've seen posts on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram from people from all backgrounds and all walks of life saying, why don't the police just get back to fucking policing? 
So um, it's a, a, an absolute farce, really, to claim that nobody has an issue with it. Has got a real problem with that. So what Suella Braverman is uh, alluding to when she talks about unacceptable levels of woke policing is, I don't know, fairly straightforward, fairly easy, perhaps, to understand. And the same... No, 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 it isn't. I don't know anything about Suella Braverman. I mean, she's a front-bench, front-line politician, so she's as corrupt or as corruptible or corrupted as any of the rest of them. I have no interest in her whatsoever. But what she's actually saying is, you know, if you get broken into in Britain today, you cannot expect as a matter of fact that the burglary will be investigated. You cannot even expect that Plod will bother his or her fat hairy arse and come and knock on your door and sit down and have a cup of tea with you to see how you're feeling about it, to ask a few questions around the neighbourhood, to maybe, God forbid, take a few fingerprints at the entry point. You can't expect that. That's what Braverman is saying. This is ridiculous that they're spending money on wokeism, on going out to be inclusive and to meet groups and to dance with people and make political statements and take the fucking knee when there are burglars going around the country knowing full well that they've got a free fucking hit. It's like fucking T20 cricket and no ball. It's a free hit. I can go to a house in Salford tonight, break in, run in there if I get away with it, come out with a bag full of fucking goodies. The cops are not going to investigate it. That's what Suella Braverman is saying, I believe. Same with environmental protesters, you know, uh, or, or with police officers taking the knee. No one's got a real problem with police officers taking the knee. Is he for real, this guy? Is he for real, this guy? Nobody's got a problem with police officers kneeling down in front of black people. He said nobody's got a problem with that, he says. Unless you've got a, pol- a problem with police officers um, expressing solidarity with victims of racism. And- no, 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 we've said it a thousand times. We expect police to be apolitical. We expect them to be apolitical. We expect them to turn up. If black men and women, or if environmentalists, or if gay people are protesting somewhere, we expect them to be there, not in large numbers, Not heavy-handedly, we expect them to be there to keep the peace and keep their fucking opinions out of it. It's as simple as that. Your opinions don't matter, dickhead. Just stand there and keep the peace. It's simple, isn't it, really? And if you've got a problem with police officers expressing solidarity with victims of racism, then, well, there's a word for you. What is it? What's the word? It's the same with booing the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, that, uh, moments at the beginning of football games. If you're booing that or you're defending the booing of that, then you've got a problem with expressions of anti-racist sentiment. Bollocks, and this is very dangerous. You know, O'Brien is a useful idiot. Like I said, if he didn't exist, you'd have to invent him. He is. It isn't a matter of opinion. The worst radio presenter on national radio today. Gormless, feckless, talentless, fucking useless in every sense of the word, right? So it's not really about O'Brien this. This idea, if you're not expressing anti-racism, excuse me, if you're not expressing anti-racism, if you're not showing solidarity to groups that are considered to be or have been labelled vulnerable, well then you're anti-them. That's where this is going. And I booed watching Manchester United last year when some of the idiot players who play for my team took the fucking knee before a game. And I had every right to boo against it because, again, Again, when you think about it, the insinuation is is that all of us in the crowd, that we're all a bunch of dirty fucking racists. And we need footballers to tell us that football itself is, 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 is being overrun by racism. And we can't have it. And I'm not going to put up with that.
I pay 56, 57, 60 pounds a time to go and watch Manchester United. I don't pay that fucking money for a player who gets paid 300,000 pounds a week to take the fucking knee as a gesture to say football is overrun with racism and you're a bad person and you need to be on the side of anti-racism. Fuck off. Your job is to pick the ball up from the centre half, play it to a fucking striker and then jump on him like a fucking gay boy when he scores a goal. That's all you should do. Don't tell me what to think. Don't tell me what I am. According to O'Brien, now listen to this again. This is very important. Because it isn't this weasel, O'Brien. This fucking flatulent, wretched weasel. It isn't him. This goes far beyond him. Listen. The booing of that. Then you've got a problem with expressions of anti-racist sentiment. You've got a problem with expressions of anti-racist sentiment. And if you're anti-anti-racist, well, you can remember your GCSE maths. What do two negatives make? Uh, so if you're anti-anti-racist, what are you? Yeah, David Brent again. So that's what it is, really. That's where it's going. You know, you'll be expected. I've been saying this to you for many years. This is not new, at least on this programme. You know, in the future, you'll be expected to take a position. Publicly or, 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 yeah, it'll have to be publicly, I imagine. It'll be on, you'll have to be seen to be doing something. And not doing anything or saying, well, I fundamentally disagree with the idea that homophobia is a thing in the United Kingdom in 2023, well, that's homophobic. Well, no, it isn't. I, I, I just don't believe that homophobia is a thing in the UK in 2023. That fight, that war was won many years ago by incredibly brave gay men and lesbian women. I'm not virtue signalling. I know some of them who got their heads kicked in because they were in a same-sex relationship and stood up to it and kept going out despite getting kicked by the lads with the bother boots and the fucking skinheads. That war was won. Nobody gives a shit in 2023. But you can't say that. No, you must not say that. Because that's homophobic. You've got a problem with gay people. Why? Well, that's their lived experience. If gay people tell you in 2023 that homophobia is rampant in society, you have to go along with it. Because that's their lived experience. It's it's astonishing, this. It really is. It's maddening. And of course, cowards like O'Brien... Refuse to debate anybody who, um, well, anybody, I mean anybody, even the most rude, even, even somebody with the most rudimentary debating skills would tear James O'Brien a new arsehole in a debate. So this is a bully pulpit. They're popping up all over the place on, on the liberal media, but also, of course, on the conservative media. People gaslighting people, telling them what they are. Hey, you're bad, you're dirty, you're not nice, you're homophobic. You're racist. You don't really mean this, you mean that. You don't really mean this, you mean that. 27 minutes nearly. It is past the hour. Uh, can we stay with this climate bollocks just for just for a moment before we start taking calls? Hey, listen, before we do that, the contact details for this programme are on richieallen.co.uk, the latest post. You'll find the Skype name, which is Chat with Richie. You'll find the phone number and you'll also find the WhatsApp details. I want to hear from you. We're going to have a good hour, a good hour and 15 minutes of chat. I want to move it along as quickly as we can. Uh, but if you have a pen to hand... It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, there's a WhatsApp number. It's 075-659-42700. 075-659-42700. 
if you want to use the WhatsApp way, the thing to do is send me a message to say you'd like to come on, uh, include your first name, we'll get you on, we'll have a chat, and um, yeah, we'll put the world to right, or to rights, however you say that. Yeah. O'Brien is preposterous, isn't he? He, he exists because satire is dead in this country. And people like Ramesh Ranganathan and his idiot mate Rob and Jimmy Carr and Hugh Dennis and Sarah Millican, they have no balls because this nonsense is manna from heaven for a comic. It's manna from heaven. I've written a two-hour show on this, which you'd laugh at, but probably nobody else would. People are so indoctrinated in it now. You know, a worm like O'Brien, a fraud, whichever angle you look at him, is an open goal for satirists and comics, but they won't touch him. And the reason they won't touch him is because A, they are bigger virtue signalers than him, and B, they're terrified of the consequences if they go after him and people like him. It's an open goal. Politics Live today, BBC Two, or BBC One, I can't remember. Speaking of morons, they had a guy on there called Tatton Spiller. What a name, Tatton Spiller, yeah. He runs an organisation called Simple Politics. This absolute weapon wants a referendum on climate change, right? He wants a referendum on climate change. Let's have a listen to this, a referendum. You can guess where this is going, right? And what we need, and this is a very unpopular opinion, what we need oh. is a referendum on this to give a clear mandate <laughs> that, will, that will show politicians they have to spend the money, or maybe that we don't. Who are we as a country? A referendum on money spent on climate, on climate change, change, on climate change exactly policies, that. not on foreign aid. On reducing, well, uh, on net zero. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, as a leading Brexiteer, as I like to consider myself, obviously, like now I'm in the corner because obviously we're talking about referendums. Like, yeah, I, don't well, we need, I don't think we need a <laughs> referendum stall. because I don't think we need a referendum because this government has already legislated for net zero, so there's a legal commitment mm. to hitting that target. We already have an international, uh, uh, you know, 0.7% uh, foreign aid budget. This is Jonathan Gullis, by the way, Tory MP, in place at the moment. Yes, I would like to see it uh, be got rid of, and then the gov government decide of the day as and what money is available, what it can and can't do with those. Well let's, stick, well, let's stick with the climate change, because there is one issue that's come out of this discussion. Is there a moral obligation on us? Um, I mean, many countries in the global south and the third world think the developed world caused a lot of what is now uh, unfolding in terms of some extreme weather events. Do we have a moral obligation to step up with these funds to help countries adapt in flood defences in the way that Sarah and Jonathan have been talking about or not? Uh, she, she has just put that question to Salma Shah. She's a former Tory uh, advisor. What was her answer? Yeah, absolutely. There is a moral obligation. We have a moral obligation to help Libya. They were talking about Libya and the flooding in Libya because we caused it. Did you know that, by the way? You heartless bastard. We caused it. We caused it because of our greed and because of the CO2 we are creating as we go about our day-to-day. -day. And that's resulted in climate catastrophe in Africa and in sub-Saharan Africa and in Asia. So we have a moral obligation to pay for that. There's a mor moral obligation on us, um, both from, um, you know, what we've done in order in, by polluting, but also uh, from a humanitarian perspective. What I think is really difficult, and I agree with Jonathan's point, you know, there is a lot of scepticism about the way that climate change money and foreign aid is spent. So we have to provide that some kind of reassurance yeah. and validation to give people that certainty. But I think there is a bigger systemic issue. 
and that is the world's large polluters today are not buying into yes. climate accords. Right. Yes. And how do we actually bridge the diplomatic gap, not just the money gap, not just the relationship gap, but that diplomatic gap to make sure that we're all on the same page? Because whatever happens, you know, China is always going to pollute yep. more than we do. Russia is going to pollute. They don't have the same standards, legislation or commitments to foreign aid in the way that we have. They make choices about the way that they deliver their foreign aid from purely political and non-humanitarian means yeah marvellous finally for now before I open the phone lines uh, we'll have a very interesting chat first up by the way uh, Tory MP David Davis you might remember he one time led the Brexit negotiations against Michelle Barnier do you remember all that nonsense David Davis anyway he's been on the media today he's a conservative with a big C you might say and he was looking back at his government or Boris Johnson's government and they, they, when they set up the COVID disinformation unit, you remember that, which sought to shut down dissent in 2020 and 2021, which we, we learned about this uh, in 2021, didn't we? That the government had set up a, a little secretive unit to go after anybody who was questioning lockdown and questioning the need for vaccines and all of that. So David Davis was speaking, was speaking to GB News today, and this is relevant, it's prescient. Tell us what this disinformation unit is, what it's supposed to do, and why you're very unhappy with it. Well, it was, it was started back in 2019, after all the concern over interference in elections and so on from foreign bodies, uh, as it were, foreign nations. Um, and for that reason, that was uh, a perfectly sensible thing to have. But as soon as uh, COVID started and the government started reacting to COVID, uh, it started to use it bluntly as a way of trying to control free speech or actually eliminate free speech and control people's opinions. And so when someone like me, uh, for example, uh, wrote an article about the... Um, the models that were being used to forecast deaths and so on. You know, I've written dozens of models in my life. And I wrote saying this is a bad idea. This, this model badly written, it's very poor and doesn't predict very well and so on. I was suddenly put on a list of people mm. who had to be kept an eye on. Um, so, uh, and other people, Caroline Lucas in, in a similar way. Uh, when, I, when I spoke uh, at party conference about vaccine passports, not vaccines instead, but vaccine passports, and what a bad idea they were. Um, again, suddenly I got cancelled uh, by YouTube. Um, now, we don't know whether whether the government actually made that in intervention, but it sounds quite likely the sort of thing they were doing anyway. Um, and so what's happened is the government has tried to suppress real debate. And real debate with members of parliament who you know should always have the right to re reflect their constituents and and say what they think needs to be said that's how we get at the truth so that was the problem but it wasn't just them it was also scientists and you know, really serious scientists uh, you know questioning you know whether or not for example we should give vaccines to children you know because children are not at risk from covid particularly but they are at risk from vaccine side effects so all those sorts of things uh, the, the government was basically trying to impose its view of the world on society and during covid the scam what do you think they'll do when they want to force people under penalty of imprisonment to make changes to their home what sort of disinformation units do you think they'll be setting up then do you think at that stage dear listener we'll be able to have a conversation at five o'clock monday to thursday or will it be gone to 
and the rest of the independent media gone with it. What do you reckon? I'm taking your telephone calls right now. Uh, I'm not going to take a musical track. I'm going to give you the jingle again. Am I? Am I going to give you the jingle? Um, jingle now, yeah, and then when I come back, we'll have Peter on the line. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And Peter has reached out and he is a former employee of Merseyside Police. Peter, what am I doing there? Peter, it's lovely to uh, meet you. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay, Richie. How are you? I'm great, buddy. Thanks for being forced up because obviously we spent quite a bit of time in the last half yeah. an hour talking about policing. So uh, you've obviously yeah, got you're thoughts on, phone on it. Today, mate. You're on phone today. I'll give you that. Well, well, thanks. But it is, it's galling, isn't it? I mean, anybody who's had to yeah. put, anybody who's had something happen to them, which I did, and mm-hmm. for it to be dismissed and, and to be ignored and then to hear presenters and journalists saying that people who are complaining about woke policing are either racist or homophobic look you worked for the police service before Peter what are your thoughts on all of this yeah well I I worked for them for seven years um, in an IT role so obviously I wasn't on the beat or anything like that but I didn't have dealings with police officers um, due to my role which was involved in like police records and people who've been who've been arrested and I had to add stuff to records and so on and so forth um over that seven year period I've seen a lot of things change um and incrementally coming coming come to the fore regarding wokeism lgbtq and uh, the black history month all this kind of stuff was pushed on us massively um for us to attend seminars, to sort of retrain our, our our thoughts, if you like, and to push us into certain into certain cul-de-sacs. Peter, can I f- forgive the interruption? And we we do have plenty yeah. of time because this is important. Okay. So, so how would the how would that have happened? Would that have been a circular email that would have went around yeah. to everybody's right? Yeah. So it, it would be a generic email that would get, that would get sent out. Um, basically asking you if you wanted it. You weren't forced to attend, but it was it was telling you that this seminar was going going on within police headquarters. You would have an outside agency who would come in, who would obviously do a presentation on how the force needed to rethink uh, its policing. I mean, everybody was involved, not just officers, IT, IT um, pretty much across the board due to how they wanted us to conduct ourselves within, you know, our job role. Um, but it was saltier in a, in, a, in a particular way, whereas, as you just mentioned there, that if you didn't feel as though that you wanted to attend, that you were, you know, a bit of a bigot, it was, it, it, it was again, there was a lot of virtue signaling going on uh, with people who, you know, who would wear lgbqt badges rainbow badges within within, within work um and if you didn't wear one you were you were looked you were looked at a little bit differently and that's amazing i i i just i could just see where it was going i could see where it was going i could see where it was going during covid um i mean on the floor that i worked on <clears throat> i know i'm go- going off a little bit but no you're on not the floor that I, keep it going this the is floor good. that i worked on there was about 200 of us on the it department there was only three people, sorry, four people who didn't get 
the COVID jab and we were incessantly bombarded. I mean, Richie, incessantly, daily bombarded with the deaths, you know, it's infections within within the Merseyside area. Um, we had to we had to obviously take tests. I never took a test. I'll be honest with you, but we were we were we were told that you know if you had have any symptoms, you need to take a test before you come into work. All that kind of stuff. And I was looked at as a bit of a Tim Foyle latter because I was asking questions and because obviously, as we all know, and all the guys listening, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And it, it, it was a similar kind of scenario with the LGBTQT thing and, and how woke the force was going. Because, I mean, there, there, was, a, there was a certain um, seminar. Well, it wasn't really a seminar. It was more of a team, like a team's meeting. And it, 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 it involved um, people who worked within, within the force who, who had a son, daughter, family relative who was part of the rainbow people, as I call them. Yeah, so, and, so, so people and, with a gay relative or a gay child or a gay son. Yes, yeah. Right. And we, we were sort of like put into this team's meeting where they told their experience, not, not, the, not the child or the... Or the or the, the relative, the actual uh, mother or father, the, 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 the police employee would have to tell their story of what it was like for them to deal with a child coming out gay or a relative coming out gay or whatever it may be. And this was, um, and, 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 and this would be, the, the thinking behind this is, this is good for you because if you were unconscious, yeah. you're unconscious bias. So it's good yeah. to sit down with your colleagues who might have a gay partner or a gay relative and you must hear this. I don't know if you heard me say this on a previous show. My better half was asked to sit in with gay colleagues on a, on a right. Teams a, a couple of years ago to listen to uh, their story about being gay and my missus said, no chance, why Why would I Would I need to do that? And were there anybody, yeah. I mean, you worked in a big team then with IT, was there anybody nudging one another saying, I don't need to be told that, um, you know, how to feel about gay people uh, or how to feel about people of colour? Uh, I don't mind gay people or people of colour. I don't need to be told about yeah. it. Did anybody nudge one another and say, what's going on here? I don't think so, Richie. I think, I think the COVID, the COVID scenario and the way it happened, I think people were afraid to speak out because you were getting, you get labelled. I mean, me personally, I've got no qualm with anyone, and, but I don't really want to hear about a colleague's son coming out gay and, and what they had to go through. Cause it's not I, relevant I to you. Really give, I don't give a toss. Do you know no. what I mean? And, I, and I feel as though people now are self-centering themselves rather than, you know, standing up and going, well, I don't agree with that because, as you say, you get cancelled, you get vilified. And I think people are really, really, I mean, they're, they're walking on eggshells going into work. And, I mean, again, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent and I'll try and be quick because, obviously, you know, you, you, you've got people queuing, queuing for calls. Well, I, I got dismissed from work for, for the police force. Um, and it was only recently, it was in May this year, and it was due to an altercation that I had outside of work. And what happened was I was with my wife and I'd been out for a meal, um, and it was in February last year, and it was not long after the um, the mass mandate had been lifted on public transport. Now, as I say, I, I, I didn't buy into any of it, so I never wore a mask or took tests or anything, so... I, I did share things on Instagram and tried to wake people up, but you know, to no avail with some people who were know. But I, 
I was getting on the train to uh, to to come home with the missus. After the, after you know a few drinks and a meal, nothing excessive because I don't really don't really don't really bother with the drink to be fair. And there was a guy, a security guard wearing a mask, and I said, "You can take that off now, mate. The the mandate's being lifted." Just I, I, I'm quite a jovial kind of like a bit of banter kind of scouser, as I'm sure you can imagine. And I was told in those circumstances to shut my mouth and go on. I mean, there was a few few words exchanged. And I ended up having an altercation with this guy and I ended up getting prosecuted for assault. No way. Uh, well, yeah, way, mate, yeah. And was that, um, the end, was that the end of the IT job then because of that? Well, yeah, that went, that went pear-shaped. But, but, but what I found was the lack of support that I got. I mean, I'm 52, skinhead, white, heterosexual male. And I never, I never received an ounce of support from the force at any stage. I mean, I had a bad year with depression. Um, I, I, I mean, my me, me dad, he, he's 82. He lives, he lives with me and the missus, we sort of care for him. He had a heart attack on the back of, on the back of it. Um, you know, with obviously the stress that, that I was under and the, the oh, worry that he was under. Because there was potentially, I was going to go to prison. That's what he was, that, that's what, I mean, I was, Look, look, I was initially charged with GBH, which it wasn't GBH. It was handbags at dawn, if you like. Um, there was obviously CCTV footage. And yeah, there was, there was there were words exchanged. And I did say a few things that maybe I shouldn't have said. But, you know, red, red-blooded male, you, you know, you don't like getting... Getting manhandled and no, trying to get no, no, and I had a couple. Removed. Listen, I, I, I'm not condoning anything because I don't know, but I had a couple of incidences yeah. like that myself, um, yeah. which which nearly but didn't turn physical. Being screamed yeah. at, being screamed at in a shop by a bloke in in April of 2020 to wear a mask, and yeah. uh, you know coming up against me nose to nose, screaming in my face. I don't know how I didn't kill the guy, and it was yeah. only because I was in uh, Sifter's record shop, and I have great respect for the owner of it, Pete, that I didn't. I didn't yeah. get involved in that, but I, I'm sorry that that happened to you, and I'm sorry it had that impact on your dad. Can I ask you this, by the way? Go ahead. Uh, Peter, Go ahead. thanks for getting in touch. Listeners are asking me to ask you, and I should have asked you already, um, Go ahead. D- did the term common purpose uh, come up? Because what you, what you discussed, you know, in terms of these programmes coming into policing and elsewhere, they sound like common purpose. For people who don't know what common purpose is, it's a charity, but it's everywhere, um, all over the world. It was founded in the uh, late 1980s. It's a leadership programme thing, but yeah. um, it's been used to impose these ideologies. In, in, yes. uh, in com- so you heard the term common purpose then? Yeah, common purpose, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can vaguely remember there was, there was the, 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 that, that terminology and that, that was used in one of the seminars with, it, with, an, with an outside agency, yeah, yeah. And are you back to work um, now, Peter? Pardon? Are you back in work now? Are you doing something well, else? Well, no. I, I had to go for a misconduct hearing in May, um, where obviously I sit down with, with the police force and HR and everything. And I actually, Richie, honestly, I was going to phone you soon. I was going to phone you earlier regarding this, but obviously I couldn't due to everything that was going on. And I was actually going to go in, in a dress. That was, that was me thinking. <laughs> I was thinking, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I'll put it, Set of tights on, and a dress and some shoes. You know, grow a little bit. Of, you know, for yeah. four, four to five days stubble. Well, if rapists can do it, in. like if rapists can do that and say that, yeah. yeah. And, but, it was, and it was. I remember seeing about that that guy in Scotland who he wanted he was going to put in the, uh, the in the women's jail. And I thought to myself, you know what? I reckon if I go in here, 
and throw and, and throw that out as going through a bit of a transgender fucking moment. Like fantastic. Uh, they, they might they might show pity on me and, and keep me job. Obviously, I didn't do that. No, you didn't do that. Uh, well, you know, you know when we say that scousers are completely unique in the entire planet. <laughs> Like, there is nobody <laughs> like a Scouser, ever. It's only a Scouser that would think of that. You know what I'll do? You know what? But th- I think that's what, even though it's it's serious stuff, what's going on, obviously, with the kids, what they're being taught in school and stuff like that. But I just think, and obviously the COVID thing coming back, I just feel as though you've just got to, you've just got to treat, it, treat it with pure derision and just laugh at, yeah. laugh at it. But that's, that's the only thing you can do because, as you well know, Richie, and it, with the initial lockdowns and stuff, it can drive you insane yeah. and it can drive you to to dark places which you know i have i i did go during that during during them times and obviously the last year has been pretty pretty horrific at the minute i'm not working i'm literally on the dole at the minute mate i'm trying to get myself back on my feet um i've got to i've, I've got to go to probation meetings i had to wear the, i had to wear the tag i was on curfew I, I mean again it's something for another day maybe but it was literally insane how I was made an example of, and the fact that Merseyside Police, who, like I say, have channeled all these diversity, woke seminars and throw all these things at you, but then when you've got somebody who needed the help, he was in a bit of a quandary at the time, he literally couldn't fucking wait to get with him. Do you, and do you think that if you'd have played ball in the seven years, if you'd worn the pride flag badge, if you turned up to me... All day long, mate, yeah. They, all day they, long. They, would have, they, they would have had your back when it came yeah, to the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they knew. They, I mean, I had to... I, on that the, um, misconduct hearing, which obviously I can't go into too much detail about, but when I went in, the guy who headed the actual misconduct hearing, he was in... Uh, uh, like uh, a betting syndicate WhatsApp group that I was in. And, you know, with all, you know, the lads chat, the lads videos, all these things. And he's sitting there, like, talking down to me and, you know, literally, obviously he's got his, he's got his, you know, his, his work face on. And I'm just looking at him thinking, you're taking the piss here because I know the real you and you're literally putting on an act in front of these people. To, to make me out to be some sort of possessed fucking Jeffrey Dahmer type. And yeah. it, it was just, it really opened my eyes, Richie, and it opened my eyes to what the, what not some, not all the people, because there is some good people there, but what the police force is, uh, is becoming like and just, on can a we, daily can, basis. Can, can, let, let's wrap this up in 30 seconds, because okay. I, I am getting hammered by calls. But in, yeah, thir- yeah, no problem, in, in, in 30 seconds, I'm glad you said that, because I still want to believe is that most men and women who decide to go into policing really do want to help people when they're in their yeah. worst moment, but they're being constrained by what you've been eloquently explaining to us in the last few minutes. So so, so most of them would still be decent people wanting to do a good thing. 30 seconds and we'll wrap it up then. Thank you, uh, Peter. Great yeah, to have you on. Definitely, definitely, 100%. But again, the self-censorship, you know, to, to fit in, they don't want to be, they don't want to, they don't want to, like, be pushed into a corner where they're literally forced to wear, you know, forced to wear badges, forced to call somebody he, she. I mean, even the pro, we, we were told that we had to have pronouns, Richie, on our emails, you know, but to basically say, you know, you he, he, him or not, and all that. Nonsense. Nonsense. Which I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play that game. Again, maybe that 
you know, didn't help me, didn't help me during my uh, misconduct thing. But again, so... But you can't dwell on that because you were being yourself and you would be in yeah, any case. Yeah, 100%. What, yeah, 100%. what an insight, Peter. What an absolute insight. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks, Richie. And I honestly, I've been listening to you probably since around about May 2020. Um, again, I was, I've always been a little bit of a conspiracy theorist, but I woke up massively listening to your show early on. Keep up the great work, mate. I know, obviously, you're, you're a very humble guy, but you're, you're doing a fantastic job and you're giving people a little bit of a sounding board where you can, you know, sound off and very kind. tell you how they feel. So, thanks. I appreciate, thanks, I appreciate Peter. that. Great call, mate. Thanks for um, for, for sharing that with us. I really appreciate no it. Problem, That's mate. Peter in Merseyside. Peter spent seven years working for Merseyside Police in IT and um, has described there how he saw this uh, agenda, what you might call common purpose, how it arrived at Merseyside Police. Fascinating. Lots of calls coming in. Get to me via WhatsApp, uh, via Skype, or via 0161-818-2018. Now, I gave Peter plenty of time, obviously, because it warranted it, right? But let's try and move it along quickly. Give me a few opinions. Let's get as many calls on as we can. A caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, David. Eva, how are you? Hi, I'm good. It's Evie. I, I remember you. How are you getting on? <laughs> good. School's not getting any better. <laughs> no, I've got to. I've got to tell our listeners who you are. This young lady um, does her bit, to say the least, to raise awareness about some of the terrible things that are happening in our world by putting posters and stickers in places with messages on them. Isn't that right? Yeah. How's it going? Well, school, obviously, it's not good. Um, You're back. Yeah. I wore a pair of shoes to school. Uh, they were just plain black boots. I was comfortable. I was learning. I wasn't allowed to wear them. And the teacher that told me I wasn't allowed to wear them was actually wearing high heels that made her look about 10 feet tall. Right. And she said, you can't wear your your choice of footwear. So what, in, in that instance, Evie, what do you do? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you say? I mean, how do you react? Oh, well, they sent me to what they call the holding room. Um, and it's a room where they've got, like, walls and every child has to sit in a seat and they're not allowed to talk and they don't actually do anything. And because there was no shoes in the room, I wasn't allowed to go back to class anymore just because I had a different footwear. That's madness, isn't it? Isn't it? What, what do mum and dad think about this? Well, my mum has sent an email to school and the teacher's asked if she wants to have a, a conversation or a meeting. And she said, yeah, and she's going to bring up the fact that she asked for what they call a holiday farm. And they won't give it to her. Um, so she didn't pay it because they told her that she didn't need one. And then they took it to her car and took a bunch of money out of her account. Wow. Wow. When, when I went, I'll tell you how things have changed. When I went to school in the late 80s, early 90s in secondary school, um, I'm a particularly tall kid. And I kept out growing my uniform. And my mother didn't have much money. So special dispensation was made for me to wear other clothes, to wear my regular clothes. Schools were far less coercive, far less controlling uh, than they are now, Evie. Yeah. And, we, and remind us, which, which, what stage are you at now in school at the moment? Uh, year nine. 
So you're 14-ish, around about 14-ish, right? 14, 15, something like that. So you've not lo- you've not got long to go anyway. No. God. And tell me this. Well, I'm I'm sorry to hear that genuinely. Um, are you carrying on with the campaign? Uh, yeah. Some of my friends have got stickers as well that I gave them. Uh. And these yeah. are friends. These are friends your own age now, so they would be interested in these issues just like you are. Yeah. That's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, for oh, for for, yeah. for a 48-year-old guy to hear this. This is bloody good news. And is there any particular issue at the moment that you are, you know, um, using the stickers uh, to raise awareness about? Is there there one or two things that you're focusing on right now? More that, because obviously I want to make my own stickers and I've got a printer now. Um, And we we thank thank Rebels on Roundabouts for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Gary and Sue. It is Gary and Sue. It is Gary and Sue, yeah. Um, They might be listening. They might not be. Thank you once again. So you're not focusing on one specific issue. You're kind of covering everything, covering all the bases. Yeah. It's more that basically saying that what I wear doesn't affect my brain and how I'm learning. And all my teachers, like my French teacher said, um, uh, that if we can't do the work, we've got to stay behind in class, which personally I don't think that's right because that means if I'm not learning correctly, that means they're not doing their job. That sounds like, Evie, that sounds like detention to me. So yeah. if you're struggling with something during the day, you've got to stay back later on to, to do it again or to, to redo it. Mm-hmm. That's detention, isn't it, by any other, by any other yeah. name? Yeah. They call it intervention to make it sound all smart, but it's not. It's funny you were talking because to me today now. Because uh, the news, Sky and BBC are running stories today about suspensions in schools being on the increase. And girls, mm-hmm. girls are being suspended at five times the rate of boys in, I think, in secondary schools in the UK. That's crazy, isn't it? So girls are more likely to be suspended than than boys. Do you worry about getting suspended because of um, you know, because of because you're outspoken? Probably, yeah. Because well, they don't like me because I talk back because I say how I feel because I don't feel right. You 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 give it to them. Um, um, you can mm-hmm. tell me the truth now. This is a truth zone, right? Um, do you have and your mum and dad might kill me for asking you this, but um, have you tried to get suspended? Are you doing that I thing? Haven't- try to but right. I just don't think they're doing their job right personally and you know because you're, in, because you're in secondary school you can't have a union right so if you're, mm-hmm. at, if you're at university and you might be at university in a few years time um, you'll have a union there who can cover um, issues like this if you've got an issue with a teacher or a lecturer but of course you're a secondary school student so no union right you've just got to take mm-hmm. it yeah for a few years more right. anyway yeah, um, I've seen some, you know, them false nail thing in the biggies. False nails. I don't have any experience now, Evie, with false nails no. myself, but but I might do. After I'll, listening to Peter, I might do. I might if I ever go to prison. Yeah. I, I, I might do. But anyway, go ahead. Tell us about the false nails. Me and my friends, obviously over six week holidays, we like went and had fun. We got our nails done. Blah blah blah. And a teacher came up to us saying we can't have them 
while she had these weird, bright, neon, sharp things that could probably claw your eyes out. And then she, she used the excuse, oh, I've been trying to pick them off. And I said that. And apparently what I say and what she says, even though the same thing. Right. So she has. she's allowed to get away with, but I'm not. She has these talons, these kind of yeah. eagle claws, right? But you can't. But, but listen, I, I, I think you're just going to have to take this, really. I don't think there's very much you can do about this, much as I'd like you to be able to, to have your way, because um, the teachers are not expected to abide by the same rules as the pupils. That's always been the case. So it's a case of do what I say, not as I do, Evie. And you've just got to put up with that, my friend. You've got to take your, you got to take your licks as you go through your teenage years. Hey, listen, before I take another call, I've got to ask you this. Again, you might not... I don't want you to talk about this. Um, but you do hear this programme sometimes. And sometimes we say we're a bit worried about some of the things being discussed in school. Adult things. So, without getting mm-hmm. specific, because I don't want to get specific at all, because I'm talking to a young lady. But um, are adult things being discussed now in, 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 in your school? you know, openly, or are you lucky that you don't have to talk about any of that nonsense? How, how is it in your school? Without well, naming not, school. Personally, of, like, family and stuff, I've heard that my school is probably one of the worst schools. Right. Okay. Is there anything be at all? An example. Is there anything at all good about your school? There must be something. There must be one thing that you say, yeah, I'm proud of at my school. Go on. <laughs> the silence is deafening. I can't think. You're a gas character. I'm going to take another call. Give mum and dad a hug for, for us, will you? And um, it's great to speak with you again. Keep doing the stickering. And I tell you, when I say... I, I, I couldn't... I wouldn't dream of patronising you or anybody else. When I say that it's a real tonic to hear that your mates are interested in these issues and are looking at things from a different angle, I'm really proud of you for that. Well done, Evie. That's great. Really great. So well done. And I'll talk to you again. Bye for now. And she's gone. She's given phone back to mum and dad. It's uh, coming up for two minutes past the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show. Um, Evie got in touch with us months ago. Talked about this. She didn't have a machine to make these stickers with these little messages. These little anti-World Economic Forum messages. These anti-agenda messages, you see. And what happened was... um, uh, Sue and Gary, I think it's Gary, and uh, I hope I'm right because it'll be lousy if I'm not, but, but, but forgive me, my, my mind does tend to, to, to be porous, it does tend to be porous, my brain, but uh, Rebels on Roundabouts, look for them online, they're brilliant, and they said, we've got a, we've got a, 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 a printer, and it'll do the job for Evie, and they sent it to her. Yes, you heard it first. It, it, it happens first on the Late Late Show, Gayborn used to say. This is the phone-in show with me, Richie Allen. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Gary. Gary uh, from Ireland. Um, currently living in London. Did you say Gary or Jerry? I think you said Gary. I said Gary, yes. Gary, lovely to hear from you, pal. Which part of Ireland are you from? You too. Uh, Dublin. I'm first-time caller. Uh, lovely. To, and, and you're in London now? You're working in London? You're living in London? Um, once, I'm actually not working anymore. I've taken a bit of time out. Um, so just kind of relaxing and enjoying life. Good for you. I wish I could join you. Maybe sometime soon, <laughs> Gary. Hey, listen, you know how okay. it works, by the way. You are very welcome to this parish. What would you like to say, my friend? Go ahead. Well, just, 
just to say, it was interesting to hear the lady speak, uh, I think it was yesterday, regarding the ADHD, um, her situation, her awful situation that she had with that. And uh, it's just that I don't have um, any any direct interest in this topic. But um, nonetheless, she mentioned that um, she had looked at Peter Hitchens' website regarding ADHD. Yeah. And I looked at it myself. I just found it really informative and interesting what he was saying about that. And I think that whilst he's not saying probably directly that he doesn't believe it, he certainly is um, is indicating that um, that there's been no actual objective falsifiable falsifiable test for the supposed the supposed presence of, of ADHD in the human frame. That its diagnosis is wholly subjective, and is in many cases a description of how the supposedly disordered persons, parents, or teachers might feel, rather than how the alleged patient feels. And I thought that was very interesting. Very Another interesting. point he made at, at that um, actually that you probably remember some years ago, smacking was made illegal, uh, quite rightly. Yet it is now legal to dose children with fairly dangerous drugs, which are unpredictable. And actually, you don't know what harm they might well be doing to um, the children. Yeah, that's a very good point. I must read the article myself, Gary. You've done a great job summing it up. I, I haven't um, read it. So he hasn't flat out said that the notion of ADHD is ridiculous. He's just made a reasonable argument as to it hasn't been properly scientifically demonstrated and therefore it's subjective when a doctor... Because I, you probably heard me say this last night. I interviewed a guy in Marbella years ago. He was... I still can't bloody find out who it is because I'd like to give that information to people. Ivy League professor. He, he was coming to retirement. He was in Marbella. He was doing another show and he said he believed it was an invention, pure and simple. That was his sure, belief, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I could well sympathise with, with that view. But the other thing that he was mentioning as well, I can't remember all the article, by the way, but um, he was saying that, you know, for, for many years in the medical profession, there were, there, were, there were practices which were carried out, like, say, frontal lobotomy, one example, and also the, the idea of, he mentioned as well, I think, cock deaths, whereby it was recommended that um, for very small children to sleep in a certain way. And then they completely reversed that about five years later to say actually what the recommendations were were completely wrong. And it should be the other way around, whereby a child should sleep on its back rather than on its front. And um, so the idea that because they say something that you can take it as gospel is, is, is actually people need to be a lot more sceptical what they're hearing from alleged experts. Yeah. That's the other thing I would say, that actually um, because someone labels themselves as an expert, um, it doesn't actually fill me with confidence. The, the first, my initial reaction is hearing from any expert is my feelings are one of deep suspicion. Deep suspicion. And I, I ask half a dozen more questions before I, I take some of the face value as being an expert in anything. And didn't... Especially in the medical prof- profession. Yeah, and one of the one of the UK's, I suppose, most prestigious universities, is it Cambridge or Oxford? But they, they took a collection of mask studies, didn't they? Um, so they, they amalgamated all the mask studies they could, the peer-reviewed ones, looked at them, turned them inside out, and recently said that the evidence is, I thought they'd say it's inconclusive, but they didn't. They, were, they, they went further than that. They basically said there isn't really any evidence that masks prevent the transmission of anything. And yet, oh, yeah. and yet Gary, we know that we know that masks have done harm. We know that we've heard educational um, experts, again, experts, I know I know, I shouldn't use that term after you've just destroyed it. You're right to destroy it. But people who work with children, they say yeah. things like, developmentally, there are issues now with children age six, seven, eight. They're not where they should be 
um, with well, their with, with, with their speech and stuff. Well, that's right, Richie. And but what I want to say is, one doesn't need to be an expert to realise that anybody with common sense can look at that situation and say that this has got to be harmful. And the idea that a mouth would, would prevent you from doing anything or, or from from catching anything is quite ridiculous. And you don't need to be a doctor or a physician or a surgeon to realise that. And a little bit of basic kind of research will tell you that the reason that a dentist wears a mask or a surgeon wears a mask is to stop particles of, of saliva getting into the patient's mouth if they're, they're performing dentistry, for example, yeah. or an operation. But they don't do anything more than that. They're, they're, they're wholly useless. But one doesn't need to be an expert in order to say that. And I just wish more people would have more confidence to say, this is garbage. And if you want to make some assertion whereby the population of the world have to live in a different way, you better produce extraordinary evidence to back it up. And the absence, in the absence of that evidence, should, you, we should tell them to get noticed. Get, absolutely get lost. Just a quick correction, not of you uh, at all, Gary. It's, of course, Steve and Sue from Rebels on Roundabout. Steve, if you happen to be listening, you can give me a smack um, when, when I do eventually see you for a point. My apologies. Uh, the lovely Sue and Steve from Rebels on Roundabout. Gary is on the line. And Gary, if it's true, it's diabolical if it is true that pharmaceutical companies um, went about the, the business of um, dreaming up conditions in order to force Medicaid, or not to force, but to lean heavily on politicians and, um, you know, chief medical officers and, of course, the, the regulators to pass drugs for these dreamed up or imagined conditions. I mean, that is diabolical. It doesn't get any worse than that, does it? It, it, it doesn't, and um, it's just another reason why, but in life in general, you just have to look after yourself. We simply, I mean, there was a time whereby I would take academics seriously, and um, I did. But I, I, I don't know what happened with society in, in at large, and that confidence over the years just evaporated. And I think for me, the, the, the kind of the first block in that was, I remember several years ago, the government was saying that actually they were, they were classifying drugs, and, and they said that marijuana was was a, was a what do they call it, a... Um, a Gateway. I forget that term. Not just a less serious, a, a, a soft, was a soft drug. Yeah. And I've known people who destroyed their lives through marijuana. I thought, so how can this be a soft drug? It's ridiculous. And there was a government that I looked up to telling me that, that something that I knew was white, they're telling me it's black, and it, it's Gary, tell me what, when you when you say people who destroyed their lives with marijuana, what what exactly were they taking? Well, well, that's, well fair enough. I'll, I'll need to modify that. That statement. I won't say quite destroy their lives, but certainly they adjusted their lives very badly through marijuana. They became paranoid after it, and they they had give they gave it up. But I, I certainly saw people who, in the aftermath of of smoking marijuana for for for, for a number of years, it affected them quite badly. And um, I won't say that say destroy the lives is an exaggeration. I, I, that's untrue, but it had a very detrimental effect upon the lives. Because I hear about skunk, which is the which is a form of of cannabis, which which seemingly is pretty much what people buy these days and for some years. And I've met a couple of people over the years on skunk. One very scary incident when I was walking my my old. German Shepherd Jazz, and this guy went absolutely crazy, screaming at me, threatening me. And I could smell it. The smell of it was very strong. 
But I've known people who've yeah. used marijuana over the years for pain management and who've used cannabis oil, which of course is a different thing than smoking um, marijuana. But um, we'll get a few comments on yeah. that, no doubt. But uh, yeah, I suppose if you're smoking it um, incessantly or regularly or all the time, and I know people around Salford who they're, ne- they're never without a spliff. Yeah, right. I, can, I, can, I can imagine that. Yeah, maybe it would, would, would um, leave you to be paranoid. Before I take another but, call, but, I'm so but, glad to talk to you. You can come back on that, of course. Do come back on that. But um, uh, Jean Anne has asked me to ask you, um, why does Gary think us Irish are so biddable, so easily cowed, so supine? Why did the Irish, the fighting Irish, just collapse in well, the face of tyranny? It, 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 it's a very good question. Certainly, I felt very strongly my parents' generation would not have fallen for this. They were tougher people, and I'm not like my own father in terms of physical toughness or indeed mental toughness, but the residue of what I saw, what I grew up with, are still with me, and um, that's why I was much more sceptical. I was wondering even why I was much more sceptical when this, when this thing came out. My parents wouldn't have fallen for this. They knew what real hardship was, and if you know what real hardship actually is, then you're going to recognize what is, what is really dangerous and what isn't. Yeah. You're not going to kind of turn that kind of Mickey Mouse situation into a dangerous rodent type situation. Yeah. It's not the same thing. And um, so I think the, 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 the main reason with the, with the Irish was probably money. I mean, the, the wealthier we became, the worse we became. I, I yeah. don't know if that's related to it or, or, or not, but certainly the actual, um, we lost our edge completely. I Yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 I not as somebody, but, but not, yeah. not completely. That's wrong. But it, we we did lose our edge. Yeah, and as that, somebody that who there. as somebody who left the country a long time ago, and I've been very critical of it, critical of it politically. Yeah, um, I was surprised at how upset I was by that because I had kind of left Ireland behind, even though of course I have friends back home and and family who I love and I speak with and what have you. But I left the country behind and d- d- didn't think about it very often. I was surprised at how upset I was. You know, I saw it. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm probably doing a disservice to the many men and women who sometimes we, we hear from some of them on this programme who are doing their damnedest to fight against it, against seemingly insurmountable odds, Gary. So there are people back home who are doing their their bit, you know. I don't think we're any more supine than than they are here in the UK or they well, are anywhere well, else. Well, Richard, I'd wonder about that. The only thing I, the final thing I would say was that actually it might well be related to chlorine in the water. And this is known to be a, a neurotoxin and, and makes people much more passive. I'm not saying much more passive, but it makes people noticeably more more passive. Maybe there's something to that as well. I don't know. Gary, um, brilliant to meet you. It really, it really is. Thanks for for calling Richie? in. Excellent call. I'm not in any way um, buttering you up. It's brilliant. <laughs> very good call. Thanks I'm for that. Th- yeah, yeah, no, thanks for that information about Hitchens in that article. Yeah, because it's very important. And I'm going to read that later on. And uh, I think we should do something on the program about that because I would imagine, Gary, and uh, I'll yeah. give you the final word. I would imagine that these diagnoses or diagnosis. It's happening. I would say it's happening pretty much every day somewhere um, in some GP surgery or in some yeah. psychiatrist's office or psychologist's office. A kid is being told, you've got ADHD. Here, mum, here's a prescription. It's going on all the time, I would imagine. Well, I would imagine so as well. And the other thing is, if you can you know, think back, um, Sigmund Freud was a huge influence in, in, in psychiatry. And if you look at nowadays, as the immense waves he made when he first came on the scene, very much of what he, he kind of wrote about is now dealt with a huge dollop of scepticism regarding things which people decades ago treated as factual. So, you know, with psychiatry, it, it's very much a, a kind of, um, it, it's wholly subjective. 
And people ought to realize that, that human beings are, are quite robust and they're able, you know, to get over the most extraordinary things, really, and, and to live with the most extraordinary things without being medicated. Well, you can. We are far stronger than what we imagine ourselves to be. If we just give ourselves the, the, the chance to, to deal with life rather than being medicated. Brilliant. Your first, your first stop should be yourself and strengthening yourself. But anyway, Richie, a great to speak to you. Oh, my pleasure, Gary. Thank you very much. God speed to you. And uh, do call again you in too. the future. Bye, Gary. Bye for now. Brilliant. Thank you, Gary. Uh, we're off to WhatsApp now. Um, caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? It's Clive. Clive Cowan. Hello, Clive. Welcome. You're very welcome, my friend. Where are you Hello. calling from? Uh, Markham in England. <laughs> no, you, Markham. Just up the road from you. Oh, well, there you are. I was going to um, ask you, where's Markham? But you've, you've just given it to me. Well, Clive, you know how it goes, my Mark- pal. It's over to you. What would you like to say? Um, Yeah, well, I'd just like to talk about the kids in general, well, I've got a few things to talk about, but I'm going to say I'm going to. I'm a landlord, and I'm I'm work. I know what landlords are going through at the moment with the tightening restrictions and all the bullshit what they're trying to put on us. There's no room for landlords in the new world order. I know that. So, so property and, uh, or commercial or pubs or what, what do you mean when you say landlord? Residential. Res- I've got five lettings that are let out residential. So. And, what, and what's happening, but, Clive? What's in, t- in terms of government regulations and what exactly is happening in, in simple terms for us? Because I do read this quite a bit in the Telegraph and in the Times. How are they making it difficult? Um, well, they make it. They put like more restrictions on you. In, in you know, like in a, you had a lawyer guy on that was talking about the energy certificates. Yeah, I mean, this is good. I yeah. knew. Yeah, I, I knew it wouldn't stop at bloody light bulbs and they brought it in for light bulbs back in the day. I thought this is going to come onto appliances. And now our properties have to be a G. At the moment, it's a G. In 2025, it's going to be a C. And, you know, they'll they'll do it with landlords and next they'll do it with homeowners anyway. But, Did you hear, I know you want to talk about kids, but before you talk to me about uh, children and what you want to say, I don't know if you heard the very beginning of the programme. Um, the energy bill going through the House of Commons, it's, look, we, we don't like to be sensationalist, but it's terrifying because there are provisions oh, yeah. in there for people to go to prison if they don't do what they're told with their properties. You might have a property, Clive. Uh, one of your properties, you might be told, um, install a smart meter in there, a new one, one that we tell you you must have for, for, for your tenants. And you might say, well, no, I, I don't want that. You could be fined or imprisoned. This is the sort of thing they're, they're talking about. Yeah, this you know this is what they're trying to do. They try to put the onus on the landlords, and it, it's all by design just to try and get them out of the game. So I, I, yeah, they want to get you. I don't have, I don't own any property except the one I'm in. But they want to get guys like you and me out of, uh, out of our properties. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. That's right. You oh, will yeah. own nothing, and you will be happy, pretty much. Yeah, well, I, I'm just sort of like. Uh, I mean, the tenants that I've got, and I'm, I'm just like saying, if you want to get a smart, I've got. It's up to them, you know, it's up to the tenants what they're getting. And I say, don't get one because they're, they're a lot of crap. You know, they're just going to monitor, you know. So, I mean, well <laughs> it's quite funny. Well done. The, me, me, um, the, the latest tenant, I said, I don't even know who the supplier is. So I says, if you can, I said, don't bother ringing them up. Just don't pay it. It's up to you what you do. It's just like, I just let them get on with it, me. I just, yeah. 
Well done. I, I, I had a landlord I, like I'm, you in, in Fallowfield. <laughs> I told him we didn't want a smart meter. And he said the same thing. When they come around to ask to install it, just send them on their way. And they did come around because he couldn't stop them. They came around over here to put a smart meter in. And I politely said, no, thanks, lads. And they were OK. They said, all right, fair enough. Off they went. But our, our landlord yeah. was good. But Clive, you, you said you wanted to talk about um, uh, children specifically. So, so, so go ahead, pal. What would you like to say about children? Well, I'd like to introduce you to my daughter, Caitlin. She's here. Hi. Hello, Caitlin. <laughs> How are you? Um, Good, yeah. She sounds great. Um, full of beans. Ro- full of- Robert's in the front rooms. What are you doing, Robert? Are you... Robert? Say hello to Richie. Hello, Robert. Hello. How are you? Are you well? Are you doing oh. your homework? I've just, no, I've just completely it. brought the mood down right there, haven't I? For for saying that to Robert, <laughs> why, why, why did yeah, you mention yeah. homework? There's no need for it whatsoever. Um, back in the day, um, I, I, I should, I should, I should, I should act like the mayor used. The mayor used to back in the day. The mayor would come to your school and he would get a half day. He would go home early. So as you're all on the Richie Allen show now, the kids get to go to bed an hour later tonight, and they get to watch what they want on the telly. <laughs> Caitlin and Robert, because you've been on the Richie Yay! Allen show. There you are now. It has been decreed. Clive, I'm sorry about that. Well, Go ahead, mate. I'll, I'll just uh, I'll just put a picture of the scene. We're all in the kitchen. We're trying. We're cooking tea, and we're uh, um, well, trying not to burn it, and talking to you. And <laughs> Kelly wanted to mention about because now she was a bit shocked. Yeah, at our school now, if you want to pay for anything at lunchtime or a school trip, you they use your fingerprint. No. You know, there's I, no other option. They, they just said fingerprint or you're not buying anything. So, Caitlin, right, you, well, you couldn't pay with a £5 note or you couldn't pay with a debit card. Is that right? You've no, got to use fingerprint. Have, what you'd have to do is you get the £5 note and you put it in this machine and you put your fingerprint on it and it say, right, you've put £5 on your account. Yeah, so <laughs> so this this I didn't know this, but this is like the school's basically a private company. I've got all the kids' fingerprints. You know, and it's, you've, it's, it's, it's you've knocked me for six. I'm thinking of my old friend Pippa King, a wonderful lady who's done more expose of this and written about this. And she's taken on schools, Pippa, over the years, including the school where her kids went, um, because they wanted to bring this in. Wow. Mm. So they didn't go around and ask each child to put their forefinger onto a little pad or a little screen. They, they didn't, they must have done that, did they? They went around and got the fingerprints yeah. initially. So go ahead, Caitlin, go ahead. Basically, in year seven, right, you have your first week and then no, your first day and your first day you all line up to this machine and you put your thumb on and it'll scan it and then you put your thumb on and it'll scan it and then that's you. You've got an account and they've got your fingerprint now. Obvious question is, thanks Caitlin, stay there and Robert as well. Remember, you go to bed an hour later tonight. Now, um, Clive, this is this is crazy. Were you um, told about this, Clive? No, I wasn't. Not totally not aware of any of this until last. Yeah, well, last week you mentioned yeah. it, didn't you? And how so, do you feel? How do, you, um, I, I, do I have to ask how you feel about it? But, well, it's just part of the. I don't like it. I just think it's another way to get at the kids to get the fingerprints on a co- well it's basically like a private company got all the and they'll sell that data on in it? it's like a data war type thing so 
Clive, I tell you this, right? I, I, th- th- my opinion would be, and you know, I hope I'm right. I would imagine is that far more parents are th- maybe maybe than you think are aghast at this. And I would be canvassing um, Caitlin's uh, classmates' parents. I'd be canvassing them. I'd be saying, "Folks, come on, what's this? This is insane here." Well, there's a group of us that meet every Monday that are totally against all this. Crap. I mean, I was a bit like yourself. I think I woke up when the Twin Towers. Um, I'd like to tell you the story about the Twin Towers, but it was. Um, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll save that for another day if I ever ring back up because you've got time's getting on. Yeah, but, no, no, it's not um, just the time is, is, is going on. Trust the producer. Trust the producer, Clyde. We stay with the fingerprinting. This is. I can't believe the goal of them. I cannot believe it. And I'm not a parent, sadly. I, I couldn't. You should say it. It's yeah. like I No, I, I think people like you and me, well, I've already bred. I think you and Mrs. Rich Allen should start, start like having like about at least 10 children because, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the children are the few. They're going yeah. to wait. Our, my, our day, my, well, my day is 51, so my days are done. No, your days are not done. But, but I think you're hinting at they do not want us to have children. That's a fact. And they are. They are, yeah, they're going after uh, youngsters. Caitlin might feel patronised by that. I don't mean to patronise her. She's obviously a brilliantly articulate young woman, uh, young lady. But, um, yeah, they want to get into the heads of teenagers and convince them that having children is not a good idea. No doubt about that. But these two, mine are trying the best to, like, you know, like, yeah, well, I'm I'm trying to, like, teach them of the ways of the world and the way... It's not as it is, as as I I know. But so I got up, started listening to you in two thousand and fourteen. So I've tried to like educate them to the best of my knowledge that what I can do and that. that How, know, can I ask you, Clyde? That's, I, 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 this has come up before. So, do you take into consideration when you're speaking to Caitlin and Robert? Do you, first of all, begin with, because it's easy for me to say this, right, um, because I'm not a parent, but do you, first of all, start begin at the starting point of, right, um, these are opinions that I hold very dear to myself, and I would like the children to know that there is information out there, but I also don't want to over-influence or over-prejudice. Yeah. Is that something you, you have to keep in mind when you speak about these things? Yeah, you have, you have to be careful not, not to like scare them up. You know, you know, like yeah. overwhelm them with too much. You, you start by something little. It's it's like trying to wake people, make people aware. I don't like the term waking up. I I, I prefer the term aware. People that are, you know make them that are aware that you know they're not. There's the government haven't got your best interests at heart type thing all the, oh, not, not, certainly not all the time and there are other mm. versions there are there are other qualified people who see things a bit differently yeah. but, but I love that approach and then you allow them to develop themselves and to form their own um, feelings mm. and theories about these things that's that's bloody good but look you've knocked us all back right I mean just look at the messages coming in via the Richie Allen Show app and via live comment I mean I I am oh, the fingerprinting thing. Uh, yeah, because um, the, the the thing is, when my my boss is 
where I work, one of my jobs is a worker in a print factory in Kendall, and um, he's totally awake, and um, he never, he actually made the company stay open. There was a lot of people there wanting to, oh, during the scam, they were wanting to go home and that, but he said, no, we're essential supplier to skills and that, we provide paper and pens. So they sold a lot, so he stayed open. He basically said, well, the police will have to come around if they want to close us down. So he's quite switched on with it all. And his daughter went to the same school. She's 17. And they were only just bringing in this fingerprint thing at the time, but it was like an optional thing. But now it, this is how they do, isn't it? The, the, now with Caitlin, when she's at school, it's mandatory. Well, it's not. I didn't know about it. You don't get cons. You don't get the form. You don't get anything from the school to say, "Can we take your daughter's fingerprint?" And you Kate, didn't, didn't, I, your mum didn't get anything, did she? Didn't no. get anything through. And Caitlin, you you're obviously not happy about this, so you don't like this. And would would you? Would you be able to speak for some of your classmates? Do, do, what, what is the general feeling, Caitlin, about the fingerprinting? Well, most of my classmates are kind of annoyed by it because they're like, hold on a minute, you've just got my like whole identity on this computer. And if that's, if that's ever broken into or if that's ever exposed by any way, that's like, dangerous completely it's like or sold on isn't yeah, it yeah so you can know your address yeah you have your whole world on this computer you have your identity you have your address your full name picture you have everything you have what there. you did last saturday and if that ever gets robbed it's sketchy <laughs> it's crazy robert well, robert know. is robert going to a different school this isn't happening at robert's school or is he going to the same uh, school I get free school meals at my school. Brilliant. Um, You're still at the primary school. Yeah, sadly, I've got high school next year. Sadly. And I'm probably going to the same one. So you could refuse it, couldn't you? No, I... I Are you, would, you, would you refuse it? I'm probably going to refuse it. I'm probably walking with like a £2... Yeah, walking with, walking with some cash. Yeah. Some well, what, cash. what's going to cash happen is Clive, Clive, or or your mum is just going to have to become pretty proficient at making packed lunches. It's as simple as that. And I tell you something, <laughs> Caitlin. I tell you something, Robert. If he's as bad as my parents, I used to get banana sandwiches and stuff like that. Crazy lunches, <laughs> banana. There was well, no, yeah. there was no peanut butter, no <laughs> peanut butter. It was just banana sandwiches and tuna fish sandwiches. Uh, when I went to school, but but no, it's it's obviously a, a very very serious issue. This and I think Caitlin has um, very eloquently explained this. I, I was listening to the Joe Rogan. I've given him two mentions this week. Why not? I listened to his podcast recently. He spoke to an expert in this field, and he said that data people's data, particularly the data of children, is more precious than gold, Clive, he said. Yeah, he's right. And it's just like the children, I'm just like, I wanted, like, I wanted Squeak, Caitlin, the nickname Squeaker. And mine's Boobons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want them to make all the other kids aware of what's going on because the kids have, a, if enough kids wake up to the what's going on and how are the how they're gonna how the world's going they'll they have the better um they've got a better chance of telling you know to 
yeah. not a quest to any of yeah. this. Yeah, and they're far more tech-savvy than we are. And again, that's not to patronise the children. They are far more mm. proficient when it comes with um, computers, with, with uh, technology uh, th- th- than we are. I had a question, before I do take another call, I had a question for Caitlin. Yep. Again, uh, feel free, Clive, to tell her not to answer this, by the way. Um, um, it's about gender confusion. Um, the aforementioned Jean Ann, my great friend in, <laughs> in Ireland, has, has asked me, would, 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 would Caitlin, maybe Robert might, I don't know, in, in primary school, but would Caitlin have seen much of this in school? I've, I've just got to when you said that right i've just got to show i've just got to describe a face to you she just went oh her eyes right rolled <laughs> all right so there is a little bit all the time yeah yeah this is mental when you, all the time so, so give, give, give us a, a rough idea of numbers are we talking five kids at the school three ten loads it's like go on Around seven-ish in like each, in like probably like one out of five classes or something like that. There is a child who identifies as something different to their biological sex. So one in five. Yeah. I mean, I'm a friend, right? And I'm not being mean around, but he says he's pansexual and he's 12. He's 12 and he's pansexual. Yeah. I don't even know yeah, what that means. Says, I'm 48. I genuinely do not know what that means. I'm a, I'm, I'm an old man. Says, I'm as old as your dad. Go on. <laughs> he says it's like every gender, and when he's older, he wants to be trans. And I said, you 12. <laughs> like, calm down a bit. And you're not joking. Like, this is really a 12 year old has actually said this. I'm pansexual. And when I get older, I, I'll be whatever gender I want. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, this is the. No one texts, no one says anything to him. Oh, no. No one says, oh, that's a bit ridiculous. They all kind of just drag along, you know. Are you thinking it's ridiculous? Yeah, I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Like, you don't know. Oh, Caitlin, you're brilliant. Calm down a bit. I love that. Yeah. At 12. At 12. Look, at, I, I can't speak in these terms to Caitlin and Robert because they'll just roll their eyes, but you can't talk about what things were like when we were 12. But we, we certainly weren't considering any of this nonsense. I mean, this this is strange. And it's also scary, isn't it? Because what the young lad probably needs is mum or dad or both mum and dad to say, just as Caitlin so brilliantly put, calm down a bit there, lad. You know? Well, mm. I mean, here's, here's the weird thing, right? He's Jewish, so he's not allowed to be gay. I know that's, right. not, that's not, I have to jump right in there. That's not true now. Uh, Jewish people or Judaism, the religion, um, yeah. they don't have any problem with homosexuality. Um, um, Islam, for sure, and Christianity, the conservative uh, Christianity, for sure. No, J- Jews don't. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. If there's somebody who is Jewish who's listening, um, look, it's all, it's forbidden in all the books. It's forbidden in the Torah. It's forbidden in the Quran. It's forbidden in the Bible. But in terms of like really going after it, it's really Islam more than any other religion. I don't think Jews yeah. really care, Caitlin. That's what, what, yeah. So, so the kid yeah. is Jewish. Well, I, I know some Jewish people. And um, they're you, you, friends of mine, my, my accountants and, and other friends. And I think they would tell their 12-year-old kid, listen, stop now, behave. You're not pansexual, you know? Yeah. Wow. Well, well, his parents didn't agree with him. He said, you know, you're too young, you can't do that. But 
he kind of dragged and dragged on about it and uh, after a point they just kind of broke and was like fine whatever okay this so is... there wasn't much resistance then no they, they didn't no. really care it they were kind of like at first they were a bit you know a bit like shaky like a bit too young do you think but then he kept on pestering pestering and they just broke and they just said you know what i don't care Oh. Yeah. I suppose... So do you, do, Robert, Robert, do you get it in your school, this? Um... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, one of my friends... I put him on the spot a bit here. Shouldn't oh, have done that. One of my friends... Um, I'm surprised he's... I'm surprised he's not being bullied right now. Why? One of my friends... He... There's this kid who moved to our school, he was from America for a few months, yeah. and oh, all of a sudden, Mason wanted to be gay. Right. And he said he was gay, the kid. He yeah. might be gay, no big deal. And, and you thought he might get bullied because of that, but he didn't. No, but then the thing is, right after, he wanted to say he wanted, he wanted to be a woman. Right uh, after. Well, yeah. Was it a bit? Was it? I don't so, know. Was so next, uh, being next Tuesday, he, he, he might say he's pansexual. Next Tuesday, and then the following <laughs> Monday. Hey, listen, I, I've got yeah. to take more calls because the calls are backing up here. By the way, um, what a fantastic call, Clive and Caitlin and Robert. It's really been lovely to meet you. And remember, Robert, as Clive, they eat what they want to eat, and they go to bed an hour later tonight, right? Yeah! Yay! Brilliant stuff. <laughs> thanks for the call, Clive. Look after yourself. Oh, thanks. thanks. Yeah. Bye for Just, now. Uh, bye for now. Bye for now. Clive and Caitlin and Robert from Markham. I think I remember that right. Fantastic call. That's them. Um, I mean, that's spooky in the extreme, the, the fingerprinting, isn't it? I, I'll have to give me old pal Pippa King a ring. Pippa's not been on for ages. I think it might be a couple of years since she was on the programme. Uh, my loss, not uh, not Pippa's, not by, by a long shot. So we'll get her back on the show uh, because um, she is a, a veritable, a verifiable, veritable expert on this subject. It's 23 minutes to the top of the air. Do you know who's been trying to get in touch with me? And it's been a long, long time since she was on the programme. I think these days she's in Ireland. She's in the Republic of Ireland, I believe. Uh, it's my pal Dory. So she's been trying to ring through. I'm going to try and get her on and see can we get her on the show. She's a bit, um, she's not very tech savvy. We've tried to connect with her previously over the uh, last uh, few phone-ins and she's been unable to uh, to speak to me for one reason or another. Are you there, Dory? Hello. Oh, my God. Oh my God. So you finally figured out how to use your computer, computer, eh? <laughs> and by the way, I can hear myself in the background. So can you turn... My, the show off the device you're using, if that's possible. Can you do that for me? I did. Yeah, because I'm getting a yeah, terrible getting echo terrible here. Echo. You know what? I'm in an echoey room. Yeah, it's not that, yeah, though. Not that, though. I'm on speaker, obviously. Am I on speaker? I am. Yeah. Tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disconnect and reconnect and we'll get Dory on. Um, it would be lovely to have an engineer and a producer on site, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Anyhow, what I'll do is if the echo, is, if the echo persists, I will mute my microphone. And we let Dory have um, have a few minutes to have her say. 
that's a, a dangerous thing. It's the Richie Allen Show, by the way. Welcome to it. It's um, Wednesday's programme. We are the 13th of September 2023. It's been an absolutely stonking phone-in thus far. It's got to be said, all the callers burning. Can't reconnect with Dory for some reason or another. Um, we'll ask her to give me a ring. Call me back, Dory. We'll have a chat. In the meantime, I might take a tune. You know that. I might take a tune. I might take a tune. I will take a tune is what I'll do. In the meantime, let's um, let's have a tune and we'll see. Oh, no, there she is. There she is. It's all very confusing. Welcome back. You're there. Are on? Yeah, and there's no, yeah, echo. there's no echo. There is. Right, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You have your say. Tell me what you're going to say and I'm going to mute my microphone. Go ahead. So I want to tell you that uh, because of you, Richie, it's all your fault. I'm now living in Ireland. <laughs> so I believe, wonderful. And uh, I love it here. And uh, we're having the grand opening of uh, Vajra Diamond Ayurvedic Clinic here in Fermoy. And it's the same venue where the Tua de Danon was held. Did you attend? Uh, the festival, the Irish festival, Jerry O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, I spoke about it on the show. Did you attend? Were you there? Were you there? Yes. Yes, I was here. And it all just fell into place to come. So you're there. So what did you do? You sold up in the in the States and, and you moved over to Fermoy in County Cork. Well, I didn't really sell anything um, because my family had already stolen everything that I had. Um you know, I still have a house there, actually. Well, they're trying to steal it while I'm gone. But, uh, yeah, so far, we'll see how it goes. Um, things seem to be falling into place here. And so I want to invite anyone who's listening who's, you know, within a short travel in Ireland to come down on Sunday between uh, 3 and 4. And we're going to have, uh, you know, meet and greet. I know Richard Kelly will be here. He's already booked in. And... Um, I'll be giving a talk on Ayurvedic science. Very good. Now, let me let me ask you to hold your horses. Where exactly in Fermoy is the um, is the venue? Tell us. The Richmond Revival. So, otherwise known as Richmond House, uh, which is where the festival was held in May. Fantastic. And remind our listeners again who might be in the area. Uh, Sunday, at what time? And is there some place they can find out about this or read about it online? Yes, they can go to the therichmondrevival.com website and look at events and contact us through there. Wonderful. And Jean Anne is telling me as I'm speaking with you that the people who own it are wonderful. They do not bow down to censors and tyrants who tell them they must cancel events. They, they carry on anyway, Dory. Yes, they're my new buddies. It's wonderful that, isn't it? Yeah. To have people who don't bow down to tyrants and say, if we want to host people to come and have a conversation, uh, we will do that and we will not be told who we can host and who we can't host. I love people like that. That's right. We're going to try and get that comedian who's been cancelled here. Somebody's been in the news lately. Um, but you know, Richie, from you, I got put on to John Waters. So following John Waters, I got put on to Jerry. Jerry posted the event. And I said, wow, <laughs> that sounds great. But I couldn't think of coming for the weekend. 
And so Jerry said, oh, look for a ticket. And I found a ticket for a ridiculously low price in May. So I came. $360 round trip from New York to Dublin. But, but, but not, oh yeah, and then you went back and then you've come back since, right. But now you're there permanently. They invited me to come and, and rent from them here and, and do the clinic. Fantastic. And you're going to be permanently based now in Fermoy. Well, for the foreseeable future. That's wonderful. And no visa, because I know you're, you, you spoke, it's been a long time since we've spoken, but you spoke about your ancestry. Um, so no issues with you getting permission to be there. Well, actually, uh, when I came back this time, uh, they really gave me a hard time there at the airport. And uh, I had a, I only have a tourist visa, but my grandparents are from Limerick. So through them, I'll get citizenship and then they'll leave me alone. What you should have done was torn up your documentation and said that you were fleeing um, a despot somewhere and that you needed asylum. They would have put you up in a four-star hotel, Dory. Oh my God, Richie, a stone's throw from here, there's 150 refugees. Right, so is it, so there's 150, is it, is it a cliche? Is there any truth in it? Or what, what's the demographic? Is it young men? Is it a mixture? Uh, it's a mixture. But they're not from countries that are dangerous. In terms of wh where, where are they from? Uh, I've met Nigerians, uh, Turkish, uh, Portuguese, no, Brazilian lady today, South Africa. We had some the South African girls over uh, for apple picking day a couple of weeks ago, and they're lovely. It's not their fault. But uh, it's just crazy what the Irish government is doing. Well said, Dory. People need to keep this in mind. Um, while the immigration policy of the Irish government is tantamount to insanity, it's the people coming in are not the enemy. The enemy is the government, is right? The go yeah, there was a big dust up here uh, when they arrived, I guess, last February. And so... I think there's like, ag not agitators, but like plants in the local government organize a big welcome rally in downtown. And, um, you know, <laughs> we're being branded as racist, anyone who questions this. And I went to have a chat with the fellow who runs it because I wanted to invite them to come to my grand opening, right? And uh, Richie, I married a black man, right? I have two half African-American children, right? I'm not a racist, and I tried to have a chat with the guy who's running it. And when I first went, uh, the girls, they wouldn't let me in because the Turkish people, family, invited me to come and chat with them because I meet them walking around town. And, you know, they don't have a private area, so that's understandable. So she said, well, you have to come back when Martine is here, the, uh, the fellow who runs it. If he's listening, I'll probably never get to go back. But he's American. Or he, no, I should be clear. He has a connection to Ireland, but he's up from Portland. And now he's running this. And I and I just asked, because I didn't know, well, what is this, like, who runs this center? I pass. It's an international organization that planted these people here in Fermoy. With no consultation to the people, to the local people. And then they wonder why people are upset. Yeah, I've heard Irish government ministers speaking on Morning Ireland on RTE saying that while they're happy to speak with people, the people have no veto. Um, as you, a term you've probably heard many times, Dory, tough shit, Paddy. Yeah, we'll listen to you, but um, you've got no veto. We'll do what we like. What we like. 
Yeah. Now he actually didn't want to speak to me. I did come back when he was there. I saw him hiding <laughs> behind the glass. They made me wait like 30 minutes because I think the girl told him this lady might be trouble. <laughs> you know, she's asking questions, but I'm smiling, you know, I'm very loving. And so, yeah, he's from Portland. And uh, he said, oh, the people are coming up from California. It's very bad. So we decided to come to Ireland. And I'm thinking, hmm, really? Okay. So, yeah, I'm learning a lot. And uh, it's great to be here. So I hope to see. I hope to see you, Richie. If you don't come. You never know, I'm do gonna... you? You never know. Come here and I tell you, though, you've got to pick up. Before I take one final call, so I'm going to take one final call. So do two things quickly before we um, part company today. Um, do mention the event on Sunday again, please, and the the venue. And the other question I was going to ask, are you picking up what we would call cupola focal? Have you got some Irish, Irish phrases, phrases? Are you picking up the, the lingo there? You know, I'm so overwhelmed. I only if now Fiacre is a fluent Irish speaker and he teaches Irish language. Um, and he's told me how to spell my name correctly in Irish. But I just don't have the bandwidth right now to learn too much. Ah, uh, you'll pick up bits and pieces as you go along. And now, just before we do go, uh, the venue and the time for Sunday, please. And it was great to talk to you again. Richmond House, College Road, Vermoy, the 17th, this coming Sunday, from 3 p.m. until 7, lecture at 4. I'll be cooking some Ayurvedic food and... Everyone's welcome. And RSVP uh, to the website. Which is? If, remind us the website. TheRichmondRevival.com Fantastic, Dory. Dory, thanks. We, we battled through the echo. Lovely to hear from you. And um, something tells me you're in the right place. You're, you're where you should be. To you. God bless you. And you too. Uh, that's uh, Dory, who's moved from the south, that's the US south, to um, the south of Ireland. Wonderful. Um, I had a call coming in there. I'll take another call in quickly before we rapidly run out of time. It's been an absolutely brilliant phone and I've loved it. Uh, the time is coming up for 11 minutes to the top of the hour. Wednesday's Richie Allen show with me, Richie Allen. And thanks for your comments, by the way. Lots of comments came in and I've not really read them and, and that's not being rude to you. It's just I've been snowed under here with calls. Let's take another call. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's Brian Sylvester. Hello, Brian. How are you? Is this politician, Brian? I'm just turning it off. Right, okay. Um, what I wanted to um, uh, say to you is that um, uh, a few months ago... Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. on Brian, Brian, hang on one second. I've got to announce who you are. Uh, Brian is a, is a politician, folks. Brian is a, is, is a former sitting councillor. He's a politician. He was on the programme before. A very interesting man. Uh, we like what he says. Welcome back, by the way. Good to have you on, Brian. So we've got about, yeah, I reckon, about thanks. six minutes. So go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Richie. Yeah, I'm still a councillor. Um, so um, what I was going to say was that a few months ago, you had somebody on um, who was talking about um, all these asylum seekers who are flying into Ireland. Um, and when they get there, they destroy the papers and then they claim asylum and off they go. Um, and it occurred to me at the time that um, um, if they can do that in Ireland, why are all these um, uh, refugees, um, asylum seekers, whatever, uh, why are they taking the risk of coming across the channel, um, costing several thousand pounds a time, um, and uh, obviously it's much longer, when they could actually fly into 
um, UK, London, wherever. Um, if what they're in France or whatever, they could do it for £100. Um, and so why is it happening in Ireland and not in UK? Yeah, that's a very valid and a very legitimate question. I don't know the answer to that. I suppose no. in, in, in the instance of a genuine asylum seeker, somebody who is genuinely fleeing oppression and possibly death from some country, it might be very difficult for somebody like that to fly, Brian, because they, they, they'd be yeah. identifying where they are, wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, but but you know, you, you like we have in in England, Ireland's got thousands of uh, these asylum seekers flying over. Um, now, when I've raised this on Twitter and Facebook, some people said, "Oh, well, uh, the reason they, they can't fly into England, they need to have visas." Well, um, for for most people coming into Ireland, they have to have visas. Uh, it's virtually the same as as England, um, and that doesn't stop them flying into England. So it's a mystery to me, uh, and something like that is uh, it bugs me because I don't understand why would they take the risk, spend all that money, and all that time crossing the channel when they can just get on a an easy jet for a hundred quid and from France to to UK? It doesn't make sense, any sense. No, and I, no, and I'd I'd like. Um, I mean, we're, we're running out of time, but I mean, the messages can come in. We'll read out some. We'll read some of them out tomorrow. I mean, I'd be very interested yeah. in what listeners think about it. It's a really valid point, Brian. You've kind of got me there, yeah, really. I don't if, know. If we had a media worth anything at all, that would be a wonderful story for the media, wouldn't it? But why, why aren't they tackling that story? Because it's such an obvious question to ask is, why are they taking all those risks, spending all that money, when they can just fly over? Certainly um, some of them. I'm, go make... I'm going to agree with you. Certainly some of them, for sure. But others would not be yeah. able to... Because no. the flag would go up straight no. away. You know, if you're wanted by a government, say, you, you cannot go into a airport with a passport. You're going to be picked up. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. There are those who maybe are not fleeing death. Um, and yeah. you, why would you not go the direct route? Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I need to find yeah. out, Brian? I need to find out what are, what are the requirements at the other end? So what would the requirements be of the Irish government? I mean, if you want to travel to Ireland from... I mean, Turkey's not in the EU, right? So if you want to travel to Ireland from Turkey, no. I don't think you can just take a holiday in Ireland. I think you, you'd have to get a visa, I think. But I, again, I don't know. That's right. No, but, but, I, I looked on the internet, and for both Ireland and the UK, it's very similar. You need a visa if you're not coming from Europe. Um, and actually, it's, e it's easier to get into UK because um, uh, you can get into the UK also if you're from the Commonwealth. Um, which obviously doesn't uh, apply to Ireland. Um, so the, the, the visa requirements are very similar between Ireland and England and UK. So th that's not the problem. Yeah. Um, the thousands flying into Ireland and, and, and they, they get in. So they, obviously they would get into England as well, wouldn't they? So that's a really, really, really fascinating <laughs> point you've made there. Yeah, you feel a bit tough <laughs> listening to you. You, you know, I, I one one tens. I'm in England, so I should say one tens uh, to feel a bit dumb because I'm thinking, yeah, I should have thought of this. And maybe, I mean, if I were you, because I know you've got contacts in um, the conservative media, um, get on to them, yeah. Brian. Get on to them. Talk TV no, and. No, uh, I, I, I have. I, I put it out many times on Twitter and everything. And, and the, the only reason people come back to me and say, "Oh, well, I need a visa." Well, as we've explained, the visa isn't the problem. Um, and so, so what is the reason? There must be a reason. And when something happens which you don't understand, it's so. Why? Why? Yeah. 
That's the ultimate question. Do us a favour, will you? Uh, drop us a line. Let's get you back on proper for a chat because um, it's been okay. a long time yeah. since you're yeah. on, so let's do that, yeah. yeah. Brian, yeah. thanks for that. Yeah. Fantastic. Councillor yeah. Brian Sylvester, uh, wrapping up the phone in today. Yeah, he's asked a really good question there. Why do all of that? Why not just simply get on a plane? Yes, it's a question you would imagine the Conservative media um, should be asking. Um, have they asked it? I don't think so. I pay attention to these programmes most days and I've not heard this before. Excellent stuff from Brian. That's pretty much it for today's uh, programme and the phone-in. It was fantastic. Thank you to everybody who phoned in, uh, particularly the youngsters. I hope they don't feel patronised or... Uh, you know, but when I say that, because um, they made a lot of sense, Evie and uh, Robert and, uh, of course, Caitlin, uh, the the three younger folks who uh, came on the show today. So thanks to all of them and to all of you for listening back tomorrow, Thursday, with a fascinating programme. I'll be talking to you through the day on the website and uh, I'll make a video or two to let you know who's on, but I've got a fascinating programme. We will be speaking to Jews for Justice on the programme tomorrow. You do not want... Uh, to miss that. A, a group of learned men and women, Jewish men and women who are aghast at the use of anti-Semitism or the use of accusations of anti-Semitism to shut down free speech and to destroy debate. We're going to get into that tomorrow. Uh, I'm Richie Allen. I was Richie Allen. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of... Uh, your uh, see, I haven't. It's been so. It's been so mad. I've not even done that. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll speak tomorrow at uh, five o'clock. C- closing it with Kelly Marie. Yeah, we got there. Bye.